Hello again, everybody. Thanks for joining us on localjobnetwork.com radio. I'm Tim Muma, and this is Management Decisions, a podcast designed to give you insight into the topics employers and management personnel would focus on. There's a popular phrase often discussed, and that is thought leadership. Yet, do we know really what that means or it entails? To discuss this subject, we have Josh Johnson on the phone. Josh is Vice President of Influence and Company. Josh, how are you doing today? I'm doing well. Thank you. Well, thanks for coming on the show. And as I mentioned there, we're sort of looking at this idea of thought leadership and what all that encompasses. To start things off, give listeners an idea of where you're coming from, though. How do you define thought leadership? Yeah, definitely. Thanks Thanks for asking. Uh, really, at its core, because definitely, like you said, there's a lot of different ways to look at thought leadership and what that actually means and what it actually takes to be uh, kind of a thought leader in this space. And really, at its core, the, the way we define thought leadership is being the resource in your industry that people look towards for valuable and insightful information about what's going on in the industry, trends that are driving it, and then really what the future looks like in that industry. So really, for us, a thought leader is someone doing that, someone who's actively contributing content, contributing to those ideas and helping people out in their industry. And thought leadership is really the kind of the strategy behind that and, and what goes into it. All right. No, I mean, that makes sense. And I like how you broke it down there a little bit for, for those that might be unsure of where it all fits in. I guess my first question would be, especially or maybe an organization that's just starting up or they're looking to move in a different direction. How do you really determine your area of expertise or where you could be that authority? Where do you start with trying to figure out where you really fit in? Obviously, I mean, it highly depends on the, organ- on the organization and really what audience you're trying to go after and be a resource for. But really, it just comes down to what is your core expertise? Like if you're, you're going to tell a client, here is the reason you should do business with me, what are those reasons? Okay. What are the key areas that you kind of have those core competencies in that actually delivers value? Like, like for instance, for us, like, a lot of times on a sales call, I'm an, I run through the process of becoming a thought leader and educating people on what that actually looks like and what that actually means and really wading through a lot of kind of the misconceptions. And the, I mean, like you said at the top of the call, it's, uh, it's an oftentimes overused phrase, right. um, thought leadership uh, from that perspective. So it's, it's, coming, it's boiling it down to what's your true expertise? What's the true value that you deliver to people in your network and potential customers? Right. And that's where you start. You start talking and sharing that content on a bigger scale through content and that's really for us where we look to help our clients specifically is know the core offering that you that you deliver to clients and, and what makes you different and really focus on emphasizing that expertise that you already have. Sure. Now, you mentioned it there briefly and the idea of content and content marketing. How does that play into the whole idea of thought leadership and, and sort of working together to become this this pairing that is so important for businesses? Yeah. So, so typically, I mean, like I said, part of becoming a thought leader and, and the, kind of like the key, the key parts that help position you is that is being the resource in your industry. And the, uh, I guess most scalable way of doing that is producing high quality content and distributing it online to make sure your key audience are reading that content. Some other ways that our clients and as well as many other people accomplish thought leadership is consistently speaking to groups that are in their niche. There's some PR plays that, that play a role to help frame individuals as thought leaders, but really it's that process of consistently contributing content that is, again, around your industry, around mm-hmm. your expertise, and hyper-focused on educating the people that should be educated on what, what you actually have to say. And that's where the content marketing and thought leadership crossover really happens is while you're framing yourself as a thought leader by offering those resources, you're also in that, at that same moment using content to 
deliver value and also then derive value long-term because when you're the resource in your industry, opportunities naturally come to you, whether it's expanded press opportunities, whether it's specific client or partner relationships that happen because of someone who follows your content or reads one of your articles on a publication that you place it on. What you do to accomplish the audioship through that content is also in that realm of content marketing where you're able to knock out two birds with one stone of establishing trust and credibility through that thought leadership side. And then also, to some degree, having some measurables and some ROI just from a, a pure marketing standpoint as well. I like that you, you brought up those terms, trust and credibility, because I was going to ask sort of about being able to build that up. Does that just come from proving that you know what you're talking about and, and what you're writing about and the content you're out there? Or are there any other strategies you can utilize to say, hey, you can trust us with what we're doing here? Yeah, I, I mean, I think what it comes down to is the core of what you're doing to, from the content perspective is the, is the start of that. And really the biggest key that a lot of people overlook in thought leadership is authenticity. Hmm. People try to kind of get out there and just say, okay, here's an opportunity. I'm going to gonna get someone to ghostwrite a bunch of content to get it out there. So I'm like, you as this leader in the space, but I really don't know anything about. And in the long term, people see through that pretty quickly. It just comes down to is really authentically creating and developing that content to where it's around your expertise, you're passionate about the subject. And then whenever you're talking to people in your network, I mean, one of the benefits of leadership is also using that content and using that platform to convey that trust in every opportunity that you have. So whether it's leveraging your published articles on your LinkedIn profile, making sure it's there, whether it's um, having in your email signatures or obviously sharing on social and that kind of stuff, making sure you're you're putting that content in as many places as possible. So regardless of how someone's introduced to you as an individual or, or as a company, they have the opportunity to, to see what you're doing from, from that perspective, which mm-hmm. just naturally creates, again, that trust because it's not just, hey, I wrote an article that it feels kind of like a campaign-y uh, marketing strategy. Right. More so, it's here's an individual who's actually living this process of being a thought leader and then delivering value and making sure that's out there in every way, way possible. Well, I think for those listening, uh, we've talked sort of a little bit of the theory and, and how, how it might work together. But if they were wondering, you know, how do we start sort of this formal plan? And I know you guys have had some content talking about, uh, you know, steps to getting to this point and really creating a plan in and of itself. Where do you begin with that? I mean, does it come down to the audience? Does it come down to expectations? Where do you sort of start this plan of action when you want to move forward with your business? Definitely the foundation is, uh, again, like I said a little bit already, is knowing where your core expertise lies, what your core offering is, and, and in terms of what your, what your core, what's different about you and your company that no one else can replicate. Mm-hmm. And then focus, so fo- understanding who you actually want to be speaking to and what you want to be speaking on are kind of the two main foundation points that it's going to be pretty hard to know which way to go if you don't have those two things. Right. Once you have that, Typically, the, the best area to start is thinking about now that you know the audience you're speaking to and the, and the topics you want to be speaking to them on, it comes down to where are those people at online? A lot of people, especially at the beginning, don't have a blog or even a blog following or even a blog itself, honestly. So like, how are you going to make sure that you're developing content to actually reach the audience and making sure it's, it's actually viewed by people who it's meaningful to? That's where publications come into account, where not only do you have the opportunity to say, I've been published in a publication, which adds to that layer of thought leadership and that credibility that we're talking about, but also that's how you actually reach the audience and grow your, grow your viewership and grow your following mm-hmm. because you're producing content on publications where your pre-identified audience is already consistently visiting and reading and frequenting. And in addition, again, you're getting that credibility back through. So, you, so you're getting those two, those two sides and where you're able to speak to your audience on platforms where they're already engaged on topics that you're wanting to speak to them on. And then you're able to 
to garner that credibility and trust from that perspective. Those are kind of like the, the that's kind of the, the, the core areas is like know the audience, know the topics and the expertise you're really trying to communicate and then know the publications in which you have to, to actually engage them. And the, the, the final areas is, like I said a little bit already, is leveraging that content. So leveraging that content and then also having kind of a core strategy on how you're going to ideally a, a little bit of like create a larger funnel for people that continually come to you through your content and, and around your expertise. So like I said earlier, that's everything from leveraging your content via social. But it's also when you're developing that content, if, if you have a, a blog that you're trying to build a following of, how can you develop content where you write a guest post that naturally links to a blog post that you have right. that then gives you an opportunity to convert someone into a follower or a subscriber, which means that then they're going to be consistently engaging with you. That's like kind of the full picture. Mm-hmm. A little bit inbound marketing on that, on that last part where you're talking about some of that funnel creation. When you're talking about pure thought leadership, really your goal is just to get a high quality piece of content and not diluting it with a lot of people, with what a lot of people do from an, an SEO standpoint or, or from a, the standpoint of, of creating too many links. But when you're looking at naturally acquiring a following over time, it's integrating that with your blog consistently and then having ways to capture those people once they land on your blog to, to consistently engage and continue to interact with your content. I think you definitely gave the, the listeners that sort of ran the gamut of where you want to go with that start to finish. I did want to touch on a couple points specifically, maybe to give them uh, an idea as well about uh, specifically what they might do to help. Now, when you're talking about the publications, it sounds like you were saying that you should focus more on, I don't know if you want to call them niche or trade publications, but think smaller and more focused when you're looking to reach out to publications mm-hmm. or where to get I mean, am I reading that right? Yeah, 100% actually, too. I'm glad you brought that up because a lot of times, especially when, I, when I'm first starting a conversation with someone, they say, I want to be a thought leader. The first thing a lot of people think is like, okay, I need to be in Forbes, right. Inc. and Huffington Post, and then I'll, then I'll have this crazy, crazy brand. But the problem is, <laughs> while those publications may get 5 million views a month, 4,000 of them might be someone that you can actually deliver value to on topics or specific to your content. So when it becomes much more valuable is when you're actually talking about a publication that has kind of that wheel. One of the things that we see is a wheelhouse niche in terms of a leader, uh, the Forbes of their space is like that 100,000 to half a million views per month of a very hyper-targeted niche audience. Mm -hmm. And that's when you're able to deliver a lot of valuable content to people that are going to get the value that you're actually putting into that content. So it's really, and views aren't the exclusive thing. I know plenty that have more than that and plenty that have far less than that sure. are, are even more niche down. But what it really comes down to is making sure your content's viewed by the right person. And I think the more people get experience in marketing, they, the more and more they realize how valuable that, that piece of the puzzle is. While less pretty in terms of numbers, like I said, for that 4 million to 100,000, but it's the right 100,000 that you're reaching. And that's where you deliver a lot of value. I mean, you're really able to build up your brand in a specific space, which is valuable for everyone in the end. You definitely make it sound like, I mean, the value of really focusing on that core, you know, viewership or readership, uh, just to your point that the number itself might not be what matters, but who's actually interested in what you're talking about. So I think, I think that's a huge thing that you bring up there. And hopefully our listeners can, can understand that quite well. Another area that we talked about briefly, and as you mentioned, being, of course, of of great importance is the audience. And I think, you know, from high school on, we we hear about speak to your audience, write to your audience. But sometimes even if we say, okay, it's males 22 to 29, what does that mean? Is there a way to, I don't know, a strategy or some tips or tricks to help people zero in on who they're really speaking to? Like, do you try to envision like an actual 
person or do you create a group? I and mean, how does that work to find out what really is our audience that you can actually speak to them in a way? Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. And I, so one of the really great things to start on that is the process of developing a persona. And uh, what a persona is, and I'm sure we have some people who are familiar with it and some who aren't. Really, a persona is a representation of here is someone who is an ideal person I want to be speaking to. So a lot of times, one of the best ways to start developing a persona is thinking about who your current clients are and, and, and kind of based on their facts or based on who they are and, and, and their interests derive a kind of representation of who you're speaking to. So that way, when you're developing this content, you're not just thinking about the publication in mind. You think about, you literally are, are writing to an individual because that persona is a representation of who you're talking to. And really, the key things that go into that process are, who are they? What are their interests? Are there certain, is there certain demographic information you want involved there? But also looking past it, what makes them tick? What, what's meaningful to them as individuals? That a lot of the time is kind of that unique touch that you can put into your strategy of reaching them. And that's, and that's a lot of times where you find them on different publications where you wouldn't think about them being there unless you go through that full process of saying, here, what are their core interests? What motivates them? Are they, do they typically have kids even? Like there's, when you get really detailed about this process, you, you understand exactly what these individuals want and how to create content that's meaningful on the professional side of conveying your expertise, but also on the side of conveying your understanding of who they are and what is valuable for them. And that's a lot of time when you see content and thought leadership really come to life is because you're able to speak to and reach exactly who matters in the end. Well, Josh, we definitely appreciate the details you've been able to bring us, and we are getting a little low on time, but I like to give you the the floor here at the end, give our listeners maybe one more piece of information or something you wanted to emphasize. Maybe it's an area we didn't touch on specifically, but what would you want to give our listeners as a takeaway from this conversation of thought leadership and content marketing and, and really anywhere you want to go that you think would wrap up this conversation nicely? Yeah, definitely. Thanks. I, I think that the biggest thing is just kind of pointing, pointing back to followership and content and what that actually means in terms of a culture shift in marketing. A lot of what typically is done in marketing right now is all outbound related. I guess typically there's a shift happening right now, but in the past, it's all about how many commercial spots can I buy? How much, um, how many eyeballs can I get on whatever my brand is? And with internet growing and, and mobile growing and all the stuff that's happening for us to have the platform to reach people and deliver value when they're looking for that specific value. It's immensely powerful. And what it actually means in the long term is more informed consumers, more informed decision makers, so that you're actually creating more meaningful relationships with, with clients and with potential clients, which in the end is what matters in, the, in, in, the, in whatever industry you're in. It's making sure that everyone is as informed as possible in the process so that the end result is in the best interest of everyone involved. And that's one of the things that I get most passionate about on the thought leadership side is by positioning yourself as a resource, you are helping everyone in your industry. And then the opportunities that naturally come because of that are so powerful and such a long-term strategy that you're able to really position yourself for long-term success and to also help the people in your network and the people in your industry. All right. Well, nicely done there. That will close out this edition of Management Decisions and our conversation about thought leadership and a lot of the other aspects that go along with it. Again, our expert guest today has been Josh Johnson, Vice President of Influence and Company. Josh, thanks for coming on the show and sharing your thoughts today. Thank you very much for having me. I enjoyed it. And of course, we always want to hear from you, the listeners as well. Just shoot us an email to ljnradio at localjobnetwork.com. If you have any comments, questions, or suggestions for any of our podcasts, you're on LJN Radio. Once again, I'm your host, Tim Muma. We'll talk to you later.